Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 314 of the MTG Goldfish Podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, and we have the full crew here this week, kicking things off with the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. How's it going this Monday, Richard? Hey, Seth. It's it's going very well. How are you doing? Uh, I am actually doing super well. I have oddly been having an absolute blast playing Standard for the last few days, uh, which uh, it, it's been a while, but boy, am I loving Standard right now. But that, that's a topic for the future. We have another co-host in Krim. How you doing today, Krim? I'm doing all right. Also, I've been enjoying uh, cow time a decent amount. Yeah, uh, and that's going to be one of our topics today. So I guess this is a, a mostly cow time focused cast. We're going to start things off with a bit about Magic Arena on mobile. Uh, one of us actually has a phone that can play it, and uh, we're going to get a little Arena Mobile review to kick things off. Then we're going to talk a little bit about Keldheim Limited, and then a bunch about Keldheim Standard uh, first impressions, surprises, bus, stuff like that. Kind of week one overview of Caltime Standard. And then, of course, answer your fish mail questions. So that is the plan for today. But before we get into that, a reminder that today's show is brought to you by Card Conduit. And uh, I don't know, maybe you open some Caltime cards that you don't actually want and you want to get other cards and you're thinking about selling them well it's a lot of work to do on your own the good news is uh, card conduit is the easiest way to sell your cards and if you want to avoid all the hassle and time that it takes to sell your cards to a bunch of different buy lists and sort and ship this service from the folks over at card hoarder will sort grade and sell your magic cards for you and once your shipment is processed you'll get the proceeds minus their fee and right now you can get 10% off by going to cardconduit.com goldfish so thank you so much to Card Conduit for supporting the show. And uh, let's talk some magic. And the thing I've been wondering about all week is uh, is Arena on Mobile. So Arena on Mobile kind of like pseudo launched alongside Keldheim only for specific phones. Unfortunately, my new iPhone doesn't qualify. Uh, Krim, I don't think, <laughs> has been able to play it either. However, we do have one cast member who happened to have the right specs to try out Arena Mobile, and that is Richard. So Richard, I've been waiting all week to hear... Uh, uh, what's it like? How good is it? What is your first impression of trying to play Magic Arena on the little screen of your mobile phone? Well, unfortunately, Seth, my phone doesn't run it either. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we, we, we screwed this up. I didn't want to start the podcast like this. We should have saved this at the end and snuck it in after fish mail. But I have a Pixel 4. Okay, so Pixel 4 was released last year so it's a bit over a year old and it's on the recommended list so i was able to download arena and good news is my very first caldime draft was on uh, my phone and i managed to finish my entire uh, league on that so yes you can play uh, unfortunately it like stutters and lags like all the time like, I feel like it's running at like 25 <laughs> FPS, even when you put like the first basic land on the battlefield. So it's not smooth and it feels like not released. Like, it, it's weird that they released it because it's like so stuttery and it's just weird. But like, if it didn't lag, the gameplay isn't bad. Like, the cards are small. Uh, it's a little annoying, but you can get everything done. You can, like, I, you know, I was casting spells on the stack. I was attacking. I was tapping lands. Like, all of that was fine. It's just, it was just dropping frames, like, all the time. All the time. Like, one basic land, it's already, like, missed, like, 20 frames. So, I, I'm not sure what's up with that. Like, maybe if you have, like, a Samsung phone, uh, it'll be better. Or maybe when you have, like, the iPhone release, it'll be better. Uh, so, performance... 
mediocre, but it's actually playable. You can finish your games. If you're like really desperate and need to finish your quests, you can do it. I mean, uh, yeah, that's that's probably a win to some extent. Like, I guess my fear was, uh, like, I assume that that's stuff they can work out. Like, if the issues are it's laggy and slow for some people, like, they should be able to figure that out, hopefully, I would assume. On the other hand, I was afraid, like, oh, I just, like, can't click things on the battlefield. Or, like, oh, I can't, like, tap my lands or something like that. I can't see the cards that I need to see to play the game of Magic. So, from that perspective... It wasn't too bad. Like, you, if it wasn't for the lag issues you were having, which hopefully will get fixed, like, could you imagine playing on it more? Without lag, yes. Uh, but, I mean, I feel the lag just makes it embarrassing. Like, let's say you're, like, just a random mobile phone user and you download this, you're going to be, like, WTF, right? If, you, if you're, like, a Magic player and you're, like, okay, it's, like, not as bad as Moto, and like it kind of works. So like thumbs up, like as a Magic player. But like anyone else would be like, is this game broken? Like what's going on, right? Like should I follow Bug Report, right? So, so and and, and, and I guess based on uh, the little bit that showed up on the Magic Reddit, maybe your experience was not exactly unique. That was the other thing I was wondering is like, oh, maybe like for some reason Arena Mobile just doesn't like Richard's phone. But the the top post on the Arena sub uh, Reddit is Magic Arena Mobile is a bit laggy, but surprisingly good. So uh, apparently you're not the only one who have been experiencing some of the lag issues. So, I mean, hopefully they can get that worked out because I feel like Boy, if you could have it be comparable to playing on your PC but on your phone, that would be that would potentially be a game changer for Magic and for Arena. Like that is that is kind of the dream to be able to play Arena like uh, when you're on a bathroom break or when you're riding the bus somewhere or something. Like that would be so amazing. So I don't know. What do you think, Richard? Is it going to get there? Like like what, uh, project out in the future a little bit. Like. Do you think this is going to be a success or are we going to look back on this in a year or two and be like, oh my goodness, what was Wizards thinking? They always script their digital stuff. Why did they even try this? I, I think they botched it. I, I, I don't see it being like one bug fix away from working. Like then they would have just done it already. So the, the only savior is it just runs on iPhone smoothly. But I think Android is not good. And like, I don't know if you guys have played mobile games recently, but they've gotten oh. like really good. Like, yep. Like, they're really good, right? So to kind of have this, it's, like, kind of embarrassing, right? So I'm, I'm not I am not sure, right? I think Android is kind of messed. But, like, maybe if it's smooth on iPhone, like, that's its saving grace. Because outside of performance issues, you can actually play Magic. It's fine, right? It's, like, the fears of I can't read my cards is, is not there, right? Like, yeah, it's a little harder, but you can still get everything done. There are no compromises uh, in terms of gameplay. The only weird thing is when you have a stack of cards, you have to click it to expand the stack of cards and then you select your target in it. Uh, that sounds simple, but when you have cards that are like sacrifice a creature to destroy a creature, I know we've all done the double click on Moto or Reno <laughs> where we like <laughs> sacrifice our own creature to kill our own creature or something like that. So the, 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 the three click like had me sweating bullets in my limited game. I'm like, oh man, did I just like kill my own creature? But no, it, it worked out fine. But that's the only weirdness. Everything else is fine. <laughs> is, it, is it because the bar is so low for when stuff like this comes out, you're just like, oh, it's okay? Because I, I do wonder. I, I think it is, right? Because I was, I was talking to our editor who also was playing on his phone and he's like, oh yeah, it works. 
like it's pretty good like better than expected and then i downloaded it and i'm like why do i have like no frames like what's going on like is yours lagging and he's like oh yeah mine's lagging but you know we just i didn't expect it to work at all so like this is a bonus and i'm like i guess this is this is, this is where we are with magic digital nowadays so, so it's great for what <laughs> magic does digitally okay if, cool. if you're a moto player you can probably suffer through this right <laughs> but, if, but if you look at moto and you're like what is this like 1995 program you're probably gonna say the same thing with arena mobile <laughs> concerning that's very concerning so, so that's me. the bar that's the bar if you're fine with moto you'll be like okay-ish with this <laughs> Oh, I, I'm a little little worried about the stack thing because I'm the kind of person who like can only halfway type properly on my phone because my fingers are big and I tend to like button mash the wrong letters a little bit. So that should be a, an interesting adv- uh, adventure once it finally comes to iPhone. Although I think it's also important to point out this is early access. Um I don't know if that's an excuse for the issues that you're having and... I guess I was hoping that Arena would, uh, Arena Mobile would bring in new players because Magic players are going to Magic. Like if there's one thing we've learned over the past 27 years, once uh, once we get hooked in, we're going to play Magic regardless of whether it's uh, a halfway functioning Moto or an Arena that you got to <laughs> reload every half hour because the game freezes up. Like we're going to keep suffering through it. But I was hoping that Arena Mobile would be something that would bring in new players who had maybe never tried it before. I think I mentioned like my my little nephew has started. Uh, learning magic but he's at the point where he doesn't really know the rules completely uh and he doesn't have he's like six or seven so he doesn't have like his own computer so i was like oh yeah like you can get it on your pad or on your like mobile phone and it'll help teach you the rules but now i'm not so sure like if i'd want to recommend it to a new player or if it's just gonna I don't know, turn them off to the whole idea if they have like those lag issues and stuff. So hopefully by the time we get out of early access and show up on iPhones and pads and all the other stuff uh, that they're working on, fingers crossed that maybe it'll be a little smoother. But I definitely am dreading like someone who's never played Magic before being like, oh, this looks cool. Let me snag this from the app store and then firing it up and be like, oh, my God, I'm never, never playing a Magic game again. That was that was way too clunky for me. Yeah. And this is just my experience, right? Disclaimer, this is my Pixel 4. Uh, I don't know. Maybe there's something wrong with it. So if you have like a new flagship phone, like a new Samsung uh, Galaxy or Note from this year, uh, maybe it's better. So like if you're listening to this, hop on Twitter, let, let us know, uh, you know, how your performance is. Like if you have a newer phone or maybe even older phones, it might be something to do with like specific chipsets or something. Uh, so hopefully other people have functioning, functioning clients, but like mine lags like the minute you put the first basic land down. So it's not like we're in this crazy state with like a hundred tokens or anything. And, uh, oh, maybe I should try that. I wonder what happens. My phone didn't explode. That's a good thing. You know, I was able to hold my phone for like the two hour session. But I wonder if I go play standard and like try to just stack up tokens on the battlefield, like what actually happens? Because I only played limited, so the board didn't get too crazy. Yeah, I I would be interested to see. And I think like just reading over other people's comments and we'd love to hear your comments. If you tried out Arena Mobile and your experiences, it does seem super mixed. There's there's people in the Richard camp who maybe based on their phone have lots of issues. And then there's other people that are like, hey, it works pretty good for me, although whether that means good for a 2021 mobile game or good based on the expectations of wizards making a digital game that's uh that's not 100 clear so 
Anyway, uh, we, we should probably talk a little bit about magic. And before we get to standard, Richard, you mentioned uh, you've been drafting a bit. I, I think, Krim, have you drafted at all? I, I've not. I still got all my draft tokens. <laughs> I, uh, so, so do I. I've been having too much fun playing uh, playing Constructed to sneak in a draft yet. But Richard, uh, discounting leg on mobile, how is Keltime limited? Like, uh, are you enjoying the format so far? Yeah, so after my mobile experience, I fired up my PC and then played like five drafts the real way. Uh, and I, I like it so far. Uh, it's The creatures are a lot smaller. There's a lot of removal. Uh, and I don't know, it feels very different from the past couple sets we played, but I've been enjoying it. There's like lots How- of weird archetypes you can draft. Where where do you where do you pick the lands? Don't you have to draft the lands like the snowlands? You have to draft snowlands. So I'll I'll tell you Ooh. this: it's another set with dual lands, and I hate set with rare dual lands. Like every time you open a pathway in your pack, it's just like that pack was garbage. Right? Like you just lost your rare slot to a stupid dual land that like does nothing. Uh, but you do have to draft your uh, your basic right? snowlands. You need to draft, and also the the dual lands. So the snow archetype is actually pretty hard to draft because you actually got to get the lands and like on color, uh, but uh, you don't need much though. You just get like one or two snow lands and that's like usually enough for your deck uh, if you have just one or two snow cards. But if you want like a full-fledged snow deck, you need a lot of snow permanence. Is there, there's a there's a snow land in every pack? Is that, are like the, uh, the rare so. lands mixed in with the snow lands or is it in the common slot? I'm not actually... I'm not 100% sure. I'm honestly, pretty sure there's if it's like not a normal land. Or... Yeah, I'm pretty sure there's not a snow land in every pack because a lot of okay. get, a lot of times I'm trying to get snow lands to fill out my deck so they're not floating around like like for free. Like you it's very hard to just get like one snow uh one snow card in your deck because you you can't find the lands usually. Uh but I actually don't know. I'm not 100% sure. I I I tend to draft the aggressive decks. Uh, in the format. So, second limited question: uh, Are the tribes a thing? Like, like it's kind of Kaldheim is a tribal based set. Is limited a place where you're seeing like elves versus giants versus whatever angels, or is it still kind of like good stuff by color for the most part, no, rather you than see actual tribes. tribal they're, they're, decks? You see tribes like berserkers. Uh, giants have a lot of payoffs. Uh, elves, and then there's a lot of changelings in the format. So that fixes your tribal problems usually uh, so unlike previous sets where if you don't get enough tribal members like your deck is kind of like bad you can pick up some changelings to like fill in the slots so tribe tribal decks are actually a thing and the tribes all look pretty good maybe not i don't know elves i haven't had much success with but the other tribes like giants berserkers uh, like just changeling stuff. They've been pretty good for me. Oh, that's sweet. I mean, I definitely hope to uh, get in some drafts at some point because it does seem like a fun format. And from what I've been reading from people talking about it, uh, seems like it's gotten mostly positive reviews so far. So definitely plenty I'd try to get at some point. But my issue has been... I've just been kind of like addicted to Standard, both for like making content, but Standard has been so good that I've actually just been like kind of playing standard when I'm not making content too, which I think is, uh, has kind of been a rarity over the past couple of years. So, uh, let's talk a bit about standard, which I know, Krim, uh, you have also been playing. What have your yeah. early thoughts been on Caltime standard? Oh, it's this set is awesome. Like if you, if like the, the standard format that's going to be after ro- like, you know, Eldrain rotates, uh, which, by the way, I still think Eldraine should rotate early. But uh, <laughs> I, 
I think after like you know after that happens standard's gonna be really good like I, I I really like this set and you know potentially we'll see what the future sets will be like but I have had a good amount of fun I've ran into a lot of Embercleave stuff and you know the I, I feel like right now there's a lot of people trying new things but I am worried that things will just kind of go right back to like you know Eldraine yeah I think so I've had a lot of fun playing it and I've seen people try new things and I've had some success with new things there's some new cards that we'll talk about as we go along that uh have vastly exceeded my expectations like cards that during spoiler season like okay like that's kind of cool but is it gonna be good and uh they have definitely some of them ended up being really good which is exciting on the other hand if you look at the early tournament results there is some new stuff. I guess one of the hot new things is like adventures, but with showdown of the skulls. Uh, so you're nigh <laughs> adventures now, which I guess is sort of a new thing. But if you look at the, the tournament results, I would say the only true Keldheim deck, and even that might be a little bit of a stretch, would be the like blue red dragon tempo deck, which is yeah. legitimately built around Goldspan Dragon. Although at the same time, it's also like a Brone Crusher, Brazen Borrower style deck where you're playing a lot of the good, uh, the good stuff from Eldering as well. That would be the one deck that is, I would say, emerged into the top tier. Otherwise, it's kind of like, eh, you still got rogues, you got the adventure decks, you got Ember Cleave piles, you got Yorion piles, which have changed to some extent, I would say, that have like implemented some new cards, but really you're still kind of, you know, Yarioning and Doom Foretolding and doing yeah, very yeah. similar shenanigans. So, uh, but as far as individual cards, uh, what is really stuck out to you, Krim? Has there been anything that you would consider, I guess, a sleeper where during spoiler season, you're like, eh, I don't know, like maybe it'll be good. And then you had to play with it and you're like, whoa, that's way better than I thought. Yeah. I think the, the card that comes to mind is Dream Devourer. For me, at least. I mean, I, I think, like, what is it? The, at, during the early access event, I think mid-event, I was like, yo, we totally missed this card. I messaged you. Because, <laughs> like, yeah. Dream, Dream Devour is just... It, it doesn't seem like much up front, but that card is, like, the mana dork that, you know, all the non-green decks needed to, like, try to keep up. And and if, like, it, it doesn't die to a stomp, so, you know, it's, it's going to take a little more commitment to killing. And being able to, like, drop, like, Tybalt... On turn five, you know, Ugin's on six, turning blood in the snow or on the snow to like a four mana sweeper. All that stuff has been amazing for me. I, I've really enjoyed that card. And of course, I've also really enjoyed, you know, Tybalt. I, I mean, I think, was anybody ever doubting how good Tybalt would be? I don't think so. But I think that Tybalt has actually, like, definitely surpassed what I, I thought he would, like, it would do. So Tybalt is a lot better than I thought it'd be. And yeah, Dream Devourer is, I think, the sleeper that I, I definitely didn't even, I, I thought it was like cool, like, ah, oh, this could be like interesting. Ha, <laughs> what if we could foretell a bunch of stuff? And then, and then it turns out like that actually started happening and it, it's really, really good. Um, and I think other than that, like, I think another card that I've really enjoyed from Kaldheim might be the, the fumarole, the, the tundra fumarole. Uh, the, the removal spell, the one where you get to use the, whatever, the, if it's three mana, it's like one red, red, and you get mana back for every snow mana sunk into it. So it's like, it deals four to a creature or a planeswalker, and then also on top of it, you get mana back, and that's just, I, I don't know, I've, I've actually been able to like, chain together some sweet turns, like, using Dream Devourer, you know, on board, then I cast the Fumarole, I go ahead and foretell a couple of spells, or play like a Solemn or something like that, after sweeping or killing your creature off. 
So I've, I've actually really enjoyed a good amount of the, the Rakdos cards. And of course, Tybalt's Trickery is a lot better than I thought it would be. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm sure, that's been the talk yeah. of the talk of standard, I think, even though like, oh man, for me, so the Tybalt's Trickery deck, if you haven't seen it, it's basically like Tybalt's Trickery, mulligan into a free spell, hopefully spin into a big finisher. There's Ultimatums, a ideally ultimatums or something a new again whatever something like that so hopefully spin into something like that uh, there is a fail rate where you can spin into another trickery another trickery or maybe another free spell depending on how many free spells you're playing uh, so there is a fail rate that's a deck where i have seen a lot of anger about this deck already specifically for you, best of one it, right people are asking for it to get banned already people people are already asking for a banning uh especially i guess in best of one which i haven't been playing but apparently there's a lot of trickery going on in best of one right now my feeling is it's gonna be like garuda part two like if you remember when ikoria released yeah, the garuda yeah. deck was like the thing for like two weeks everyone was playing the jank them out like mill all your stuff get back a bunch of spark doubles like win with garuda just casting as your companion and then that really fizzled away pretty quickly because it was pretty glass cannony people realized oh if you just like essence scatter or whatever the garuda then their whole deck is actually pretty bad i kind of feel that that's what will probably happen with trickery at least as far as best of three is concerned like you bring in some spell pierces or whatever uh and it's gonna be or dresses and it's gonna be very difficult for that deck to actually go off because of how it has to mulligan for stuff best of one though I don't know, like, if it's really ruining the format for people, and even if it's a deck that isn't top tier by win percentage, it's just making people not want to play the format, maybe a, a Nexus of Fate style best of one banning would be worth considering. I I mean, I, I don't know, I think it's still too early, right? <laughs> it's way too early. I, I don't know, I, I'm probably, I'm also a little guilty of playing the deck myself, though, so. <laughs> you don't, you don't so, need data for salt. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, they got enough frowny faces on Arena. Uh, because, like, <laughs> let's say it only works 33% of the time, right? It doesn't matter to you as a player when they sit down and they get it you just feel terrible because there's no counterplay uh, and then they go lose to other games it's not visible to you and it doesn't matter to you right so even if the win rate is actually bad it's like land destruction right like it just feels bad and it may not actually be good at all but they'll get rid of it so i wonder if they will do something about it because I mean, you're turning into Hearthstone, right? It's just like spin the wheel <laughs> and you win or you lose and move on. And it's, I don't uh, know. It's and, in a fu I had a mirror match. I actually played a mirror match. And it was <laughs> yeah, then you just trickery their trickery and you got them. Well, the, the best, like you trickery their trickery or you just get better ultimatums. <laughs> I think... I think part of the issue with best of one is people have kind of stumbled on the fact that if all you care about is getting your like daily wins and you don't care about your overall win percentage, that it's kind of like the best deck to do it with because you can build it with almost no wild cards because you can play builds that have like 48 lands and very few actual cards. And then your games only last two or three turns, either because your opponent scoops because you hit the right thing and you are going to win or because you fizzle or they can deal with your thing and then they're going to win. So if all you care about is getting X wins in the shortest amount of time possible... I think it's actually maybe the best deck to do that with because uh, the rest of standard 
that I have been playing has been actually pretty grindy, like surprisingly grindy, having like half hour matches, hour long matches, not actually that big of a surprise when everyone's playing these like grindy go long style decks with a bunch of sagas and Yorians and stuff. So maybe it is problematic in best of one just because people treat it as the easiest way to pick up their wins and get their rewards. I, I think people also just pick up their cards when it happens, but I, I think that's also wrong. Unless they hit an ultimatum, people concede to the deck way too early. <laughs> I will tell you as somebody who, like, I, I guess this is, uh, uh, like, I, I had a, 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 a Garrick on two, I've had an Ugin on two, and it's, that's actually considered a bad hit off Tybalt's trickery, by the way. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, I guess maybe it is pretty powerful. Uh, yeah, then I would but, scoop as soon as you cast it, then if that's your worst hit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, I still lost. They just, they just, like, you know, they, they had, um, they just pretty much went to turn four or turn, like, and they just used their, um, binding of the old gods and blew up my planeswalker. And then it's like, well, I have nothing. <laughs> <Your turn>. Yeah. <laughs> I have all these uh. ultimatums and these, like, nine drops in my hand that do absolutely nothing because I will never cast these. It's very much like zombie hunt. Zombie hunt on steroids, probably. But it, yeah. it's very similar to that, where you do your thing, and if your thing works, you just crush people really quick. And uh, if your opponent can interact with your thing, or uh, you fail, which happens some percentage of the time, uh, you just scoop them up and go to, go to the next game. I think, uh, I know we're talking standard, but Tabal Strikery maybe is more of a thing in modern, even. I've been oh, hearing mixed yeah. reports. There's some people who are having some success with Tabal's Trickery deck, and thinking it's going to be like a legit possibly like top tier thing uh, whether or not that actually plays out over the long run in a format with like force negations and thought seizes and lots of cheap interaction we'll have to we'll have to see but i think that's where it's become really scary where people are playing just like four cascade spells to balls trickeries emerkles in the main deck and then sideboarding into like amulet titan essentially like your whole sideboard <laughs> is primeval titan amulet and you just like switch about in game two and get people so <laughs> Uh, so for me, uh, in standard, and I definitely agree with you on Dream Devourer, that's a card that has greatly exceeded my expectations. Uh, and I think it looks like a card for Fortel decks, but the funny thing about Dream Devourer oh. is I think it's actively like bad in Fortel decks. Yeah. You, you, if you're already can foretell your stuff, you don't really need Dream Devourer. And it's not about like making it big and attacking. This is a that, card that's for actually been relevant, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes you chip in for, like, four or whatever, and that actually adds up. But I think its main purpose, though, is, like, being a really strong ramp spell for decks that don't have access or just need more ramp spells. Getting down, like, Ugin on six, well, Tibble on five, Solemn for two mana, things like that are really powerful. I, I look at this at, as something even better than just straight-up ramp, right? Because the I think uh, one thing that people don't know is that once you, that you foretell, if this card dies, you still get the reduction. You've already done what you needed to do. So it, it, it you already got to foretell. And then on top of that, uh, the, the thing that makes this card just so sweet is that it, it legitimately, it keeps your hand safe uh, from stuff like, let's just say, there's so many Elspeth nightmares, right? Stuff like that. So it's if I have a, like a spell that I want to just tuck away, I'll just immediately, like, cause you know, I, I, there's like the red black decks, they play so much way, so many ways to discard between, you know, duresses, agonizing remorse, croxa, all that stuff. So you can kind of like stow away one of your, your best threats. 
Yeah, I think that is a big upside as well. I think Dream Devour is a card, like, if you can untap on turn four with it and four mana and foretell two things, those games usually go really, really well. And it does dodge a stomp, which is a big deal, I think, of the format. Also, the getting cards out of your hand, uh, it's it's kind of cute with Castle Lockwain, I've noticed. I'll, like, sometimes yep, yep. aggressively hide away my whole hand so I can keep drawing with Castle Lockwain and not take as much damage. Uh, so that's a card I've really liked. Although, for me, by far the biggest surprise is uh, has been Vorinclex. Vorinclex has been a card that has actually just kind of shocked me. I think it's a card that I really slept on for a couple of reasons. I think one is when I saw it, I was like, wow, this is an insane commander card. And I didn't actually put the brain power into thinking about what it might do in standard because I just immediately assumed, okay, this is made to be like a really good commander card. Uh, the other thing I didn't take into consideration is how relevant stopping your opponents from putting counters on things would be. Mm -hmm. uh, right now in standard, Binding the Old Gods, Elspeth Conqueror's Death are, I would say, maybe the two most popular removal spells. There's a lot of decks built around those cards. And Vorinclex just by itself shuts those down. They can't add counters to their sagas, so that means their sagas don't do anything, which means that your opponent's stuff gets half the number of counters ability is actually this not intuitive, but like weird form of protection that makes yeah. it really hard for some decks to interact. And I mean, a six six is for six with trample and haste is actually like a pretty legit creature. So I have you're you're also getting your immediately just like two chapters off of your own sagas. Yeah, it makes your own like binding of the old gods or Elspeth's nightmare. It's really good. Like binding of the old gods, you kill something and ramp right away for four mana, or Elspeth's yeah. nightmare, you kill something and dress right away. So yeah, it is uh, it is really good with your own sagas. Obviously, also really good with your own planeswalkers like Tibalt, Ugin, uh, Liliana, four mana Garrick. Those all ultimate immediately if you have uh, a Vorin clicks on the battlefield and any of those ultimates is usually pretty much game winning either immediately over the course of a few turns so I have come around with like if I was going to make my standard top 10 list today I think that Vorin clicks would probably be in my top three for Cal time like Doomscar is still good Gold Spawn has proven to be as good as everyone thought it would be but Vorin clicks for me is a card that wasn't on my list at all and uh, I think it's actually has potential to be a legitimate standard staple or at a minimum change the meta. Like maybe if Warnclex becomes a thing, people start playing less sagas and more like real removal because Vorinclex is so good against them. And maybe that would keep Vorinclex in check eventually. But for right now, I think Vorinclex is on the short list of, I would say, best non-Eldering cards in standard. Uh, I, I could definitely see that. I mean, the card is powerful, but I, I feel like if there's ever just, I don't know, it's not that hard to just shift into playing, I don't know, a, a, a Heartless Act or something like that just to kill it, right? So I, I think right now yeah. it's new, so it's it's kind of just unaccounted for. Uh, we're, I, I'm excited. If, if there's enough of that and Goldspan Dragon, then cards like, you know, Heartless Act, you know, Poison the Cup, these cards get more valuable. So, of course, that that's the dies to Doomblade kind of argument. But the thing here is I, I do think that right now the meta is mostly, as you had mentioned, relying on sagas, right? And and the value that you can get to off of them by blinking them, all that stuff. So a lot of people are just ill-equipped for these cards. But I think that starts to change as the meta starts settling in. 
I I think that's that is a a good point as well. That maybe uh, that will end up changing. I think it's also worth mentioning that it does just every time I play the Warren deck, it blows out something else that I didn't realize. Like uh, it stops Showdown of the Scalds, which is a saga, of course, but it stops the Great Henge. There's yep. uh, Luminarch Aspirant plus one plus one counter like White or Boros Weenie decks, where yeah, it's six mana, so uh, if you don't get it down fast enough, it can be too slow. But it still shuts that down. It stops. Ugin, Kaya, Tibble from killing it right away because they come in with too few loyalty counters to actually minus and kill something. So it actually hits on a surprising number of things. But you may be right. This might be something that is really good in the current meta. But as the meta develops, maybe it gets less good. And if we end up in a spot where... <sighs> the spot I'm afraid that we end up in, which is kind of where we were a week ago, but with a few Kaldheim cards thrown in along with all the Eldorade stuff and rogues maybe, then it maybe gets less appealing because I, I, against rogues, it's kind of mad. Yeah. Against adventures, it's fine. Like, it is a 6-6 six, six Trample Haze. Like, it's not bad against adventure decks, but it's also not, like, earth-shattering against those decks. Against the food deck, it's another big creature. It stops Wicked Wolf Great Henge to some extent, but still, it's not, like, absurd in those matchups. What do you think about that, either one of you? Like, our fear a couple weeks ago was that Keldheim was not going to make enough of an impact, and we were still essentially going to have Eldorain Standard with a little bit of Keldheim thrown in. Do you think that's where we're heading? Like, do you, do you think it's going to be the same old, same old with Showdown of the Skulls now thrown into my deck? Or, oh, this one cool card, like, I don't know, I throw the dragon into my Gruul deck now because the dragon's a good standalone card. Uh, are our fears going to be realized and Eldorain still dominate? Yeah, I mean, right now, remember, we're we're not even at the official set release yet. Right? We are for, like, Arena and whatnot. We're in the honeymoon phase, though. It's always the week or, like, a few weeks after that things start settling. And a lot of the stuff that I see sticking around will mostly, like, I see the dragon sticking around. And, like, and, and like maybe, like, Valky and, and Doomscar and stuff like that, right? But I still worry that a lot of this is still just not great against Eldraine. Can I, can yeah, I block that? Is blocking on the <laughs> yeah. table. No. <laughs> no, no, okay. Um, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the big concern, right? Like, because right now we're in the honeymoon phase, so all these cards are great. Lots of things are happening. But as, as Seth had mentioned, when rogues come back into the meta and you try to play a six drop... <laughs> that they are very happy to counter <laughs> you are going to be very sad yeah that is i mean that is still kind of my worry in general like right now i've been having a blast in standard you play against some old decks you play against some old decks with new cards you play people trying out new decks that's been my experience but i am afraid that when things consolidate a little bit it's gonna focus even more heavily on Eldorain stuff and not much is gonna change and I don't know. Like, Calvin is such a sweet set that it it's going to be it a really shame is. if we have to wait until next September for it to actually get a chance to shine. And I'm assuming that, like, Strixhaven and the D&D set are also going to be really sweet based on yeah. how sweet Caldime has been. And they might end up in that same spot. So I don't know. I'm still personally, and this is not a call for bannings, but personally, if Wizards, uh, wanted to <laughs> rotate Eldrain or get rid of more Eldrain cards, it wouldn't bother me, not because I think they're necessarily, like, 
one individual card is overpowered to the point where it needs to be banned. <laughs> the but whole set because I want to see, yeah, I, I want to <laughs> see new cards. And we've been playing with Aldrain cards for eighteen months now, or whatever, fifteen months, and uh, they just kind of overshadow a lot of really sweet stuff. So yeah, like a lot of things yeah. gets blocked off because of it. And I mean, or like if if I I personally think that. This is not a call for bannings. This is just a call for just rotate. <laughs> just ban the whole set at once. Yeah, just, we're not, we're I not mean, banning you, you individual cards. We're, we're not rotating. Banning, you know, we're just rotating. Yeah, yeah. See, like, that's that's different. It's different. And because I do want to see these cards. Like, I want you to look at the cards that are here and, you know, what we're going to have after Eldrain rotates. Think about how cool that format would be. Just saying. And then we'll probably have a really sweet time in Strixhaven, the D&D set. But a lot of it will feel kind of miserable when it still can't beat like a love struck piece or something like that you know what i mean or it can't block well you have seven months um, oh my gosh no if you play <laughs> limited all of this is just self-correcting every set you can yeah. only play with the new cards and it's actually like kind of tested well and like balanced usually so so yeah uh okay question yeah, for you guys if yeah. i wanted to play standard what do you recommend i play now Let's say I want an aggressive like, like wild cards are limited, and like this is your deck. This is this, the deck you're this, going. This, this in is the like, deck. This is the deck, right? Like, I don't want to spend twenty wild cards on like some like meme deck, right? Like, what is like a legitimate deck that skews towards the aggressive end that you can play? And please don't tell me it's Gruel Adventures, but it, <laughs> it, it, I mean, it is. do you want? Do you want? Okay, hold on, because you're you're having conflicting statements. Here. You want me to tell you what? Okay, here's that, here's that my plan. To the aggressive, for, here's my plan. Girl. I'm going to take my adventures deck and add four Showdown of the Skulls, and now I'm playing Naya Adventures, a whole new archetype I've never played before. <laughs> um, is that the best course of action? Should I just take Gruel, gruel Mono Green Food, and go straight in? Should I even bother with Kaldheim cards? I, I mean, Goldspan I mean, Dragon, that's actually pretty good. So blue-red control. No, green-red. Green-red. You still can go green Oh, oh you put it in there. Oh. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Imagine this. You still get to play the dragon. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, like, if you're looking for a deck that I would be comfortable saying is probably going to be good for until rotation or whatever i i think you are starting with love struck beast and uh bone crusher giant is probably whether that's like ember i don't know naya or girl and ember cleave and the great henge like that package of of uh eldering cards is just so strong so personally i love like the vorinclex decks i've been playing and some of the other decks i've been playing whether or not those decks are still going to dominate a month from now I really don't know, and I have concerns that Eldraid's going to come back, so I think the safe route would be probably an adventure deck, or Mono Green <laughs> Food is still there, Rogues. Rogues is still there, if you want that, and, and then I guess... On the control side, it's probably a Yarion pile, which maybe you throw in a few new cards, but really, I mean, I think that deck's still going to be there, so I would have a hard time recommending to someone with limited wild cards to uh to go to town crafting a ton of Keldheim stuff just because we don't know at this point I, I would at least wait and see how the metagame shakes out hopefully something from Keldheim like breaks through and is a legit top tier deck but what at about this point, it's Rakdos. about adventures still Rakdos mid-range not not like the like I'm talking like the one of the last standard rankles all that stuff is that possible it's kind of like on the aggressive side right 
I've seen a lot of uh, Rakdos decks with uh, the new dragon, Predator, uh, Image from Predator thrown in, yeah. and like the Sacrifice subs theme. Those seem pretty reasonable. I think that's a, a good option. Is is it better than just like playing Gruel or Nye Adventures as far as like, ugh, I don't know, guaranteed to be good until there's bannings or until rotation? <sighs> I think there's still a little bit of a risk just because you're starting at a lower point in the meta. What about but, the uh, unbanned cat? Because I don't think cat's a problem anymore. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. I mean, if they unban cat, then I think the sacrifice decks would probably be really Wait, good. why did they ban like, cat? I don't even remember. I, I think that was more of an interface kind of like games take too long. You have to click through every single motion. Because you, you could ever cleave through the cat, right? Like, what, what was the problem with cat? <laughs> I, they it, actually mentioned in the BNR that it's clunky on arena, basically. They couldn't, like they couldn't and fix it. They had to ban the cat. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, people also didn't like it. I don't yeah. think it was exclusively well, that it was clunky on Arena, but that was part of it. I think people didn't like it because it any low to the ground deck got blanked by it. But on top oh, of that, that's like, why. Yes, yes, yes. If you didn't run Embercleave, you couldn't get through the cat and like yeah. Teferi, and like you couldn't get anything accomplished as an aggro player with that format. Right? Do you think the cat is too strong for this now, though? <sighs> I I think the cat can come back at this point. I mean, it just further uh, puts another check against any aggressive deck, right? Can you be a love-struck beast? If so, can you beat a cat? <laughs> if so, can you beat a Doomscar, <laughs> right? Like, can you do anything, <laughs> right? Like, that's that's just another power hurdle level, to overcome, right? Power level would probably be fine, but I... I don't know. I don't think the play pattern is very enjoyable, and doubly so on Arena. So, sure, power level, whatever, <laughs> bring back Cat. But, but yeah, I, oh my god, on mobile, <laughs> that would probably be the worst thing ever to try to manage those triggers. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I've heard other people say, oh, just unban a bunch of stuff, but... That just is putting more Eldrain cards we back in the format, which yeah. is the obvious we, we, we must summon <laughs> our <laughs> hero. <laughs> and and just so it's clear, I, I right now Standard has been a blast. So this yeah. is like us worrying about how things will shake out in a couple weeks or a month from now. So don't take this as Standard sucks right now because my experience has not been that. It has been, like I said, I've been playing Standard for fun when I'm not recording content, which doesn't happen very much. Usually if I'm playing Magic for fun, it's historic, it's modern, sometimes it's a draft or legacy, but Standard is not typically a format that I, uh, recently, that I've just been playing for fun. But this weekend, I've been playing a lot of Standard for fun because I've just really been enjoying it. I, I wonder, is it possible that this set probably has a bigger effect on historic because i find me building more things in historic i feel like so i think yes i haven't played much historic since the new cards came out but i think yes because of the tribal theme yeah i think a lot of the tribes don't yet have enough pieces to be real decks in standard although hopefully they will be once we get Strixhaven and especially the D&D set but a tribe like Elves that is not, it just doesn't have a lot of pieces to work in standard yet, it has a lot of good pieces to work in historic so you can jam your new Kaldheim Elves in there even like Giants, you have Uro which is insane and then you get the Giant Removal spell which is a good way to kill Nyssa and take down big Planeswalkers for two mana so I feel like we probably will see a bigger impact on Historic just because the tribes seem much more immediately playable in Historic. And then hopefully they get there in Standard, which we get another set or two of support. Yeah, because that, that's how it feels like right now. Like th this set is, for at least Standard, kind of, kind of for me, just like, okay, well, does it pass the Eldrain test? We'll find out. But like in Historic, I feel like I'm doing more, uh, especially cards like 
you know, your favorite Soul Sisters card, uh, Righteous Valkyrie, uh, which <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I think is doing more in historic than it does in standard. Although, <laughs> did you know you can play Soul Sisters in historic, Seth? <laughs> I, I did. I haven't, I haven't tried. Well, I played it in the past, but yes, I, I'm probably going to have to break that out once I move, once I move on from standard. I will say, <laughs> I think a lot of the tribes are going to be good in standard eventually. Yeah. Like, I, I really think, like, if you look at Party with Zendikar Rising, mm-hmm. and I was like, Ugh, like, how do you make that work? And then the next set, not only do we get more party tribes, we get changelings. And now all of a sudden, I think you can build a reasonably effective party deck in standard. I think we're going to see the same thing. Like, I think Strixhaven is going to build on some of the tribes yeah. that we got support for in uh, Keldheim. And then I think definitely the D&D set, you know, a lot of the, the creature types that are associated with D&D, so we should be getting a bunch more of them in the D&D set. So even though clerics or elves or whatever might not quite be good enough right now, I think they will be good enough eventually. Worst case, like, once Eldraine finally rotates in the fall, then all bets are off. And maybe we have this awesome, just, like, <laughs> tribal standard where everyone's, like, going to town with their favorite tribe. Yeah, like, that. that is that is a thing that I'm definitely seeing right now. Like, because, I mean, cards like Elvish Warmaster just seem like it's going to be oozing with value, right, as, as elves get more and more support. So... I, I'm really excited as the next batch of sets that are, are coming out. I mean, for me, I'm still insanely through the roof about Strixhaven and Innistrad, I don't know, the threequel or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. And oh, actually, I don't know if we mentioned this, but it was kind of incidentally confirmed that there are two legitimate sets uh, of Innistrad releasing this year. We had like the two set names, yeah. but we weren't exactly sure what that meant. But they mentioned in the most recent State of the Beta for Arena that there are five standard sets this year. So I think that really means we're getting... Oh my god, that's going to be so many spoilers. But I, uh, <laughs> I think that I think that does mean we're going to get we're going to get two Innistrad sets back to back in the fall. Yes, I am so excited. I mean, like vampires, werewolves, all of it. Bring it back, bring it back. Hopefully, and I don't want them spaghettified. I don't want them to become spaghetti <laughs> monsters. I need that. It's fine. <laughs> you know? I mean, it has. Okay, hear me out though. Okay, does this not make sense? Vorn, Klex, and Kaldheim, Jin, Gataxis in Strixhaven, right? Elish Norn, I don't know, in Christmas Land. I, I, don't, I don't know whichever one that is. Shieldred in the Innistrad set. And then, I mean, like, cause the, the Praetors, there's, or, there's got, there's no way Vorinclex is the only one. So that, yeah, I, oh, I really think it's building to like, something that we haven't seen yet maybe for like next spring or next winter uh maybe it's a return to like mirrodin again where the frexias were from but i really think that's the new like i don't know bad guy arc in magic like how we went through like the bolus thing and all the planeswalkers we've had like multiple <laughs> we've had we've had Eldrazi <laughs> multiple times but I think it's Fraxian's time and we're going to see him trickle in through the next year and then boom have a Fraxian set next year that's that's my prediction at least do you think with poison back on the menu you think infect comes back oh I hope not I think <laughs> I, I would be down with wizards fully embracing Finn style poison. I'm fine with that. I actually like that style of poison because it doesn't work with pump spells, but yeah. I really hope they don't print actual infect creatures because, <laughs> oh, I hate that. That's like a miserable. Phyrexian I, I would mana, rather baby. Get, I, I would rather deal with Tabalt's trickery on tour two every game for the rest of my life than have to deal with infect and pump spells. <laughs> What's wrong with infect? Aggro having a problem oh, it's just aggro. Half, half, the, half the distance, right? <laughs> Wait, is Infect aggro or is Infect combo? Both. <laughs> Both, yeah, aggro combo. Have you ever died to uh, 
Oh, what what is what is what the noble hierarch? Yeah, yeah. We've died yeah. to the noble hierarch many yeah. times. I, oh yeah, I, just yeah, like shocking willy nilly. Who cares about my health total? Yep. And all of a sudden, this noble hierarch starting to get a lot of respect. Yeah, yeah. Or the the spell sky gets you sometimes. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, uh, anyway, I think we're getting to the time where we should probably answer some fish mail. Uh, Richard. Why don't you fish mail us? All right. If you have questions, send them to at MTG Goldfish with the hashtag MG Fish Mail, and we get to your questions on air. Uh, at Tarathiel, what are the top five cards that each of you have misevaluated, and how has it evolved the way you evaluated cards from that point? Uh, so we, we talked about the, the cards we misevaluated uh, a couple podcasts ago. So, I've never misevaluated yeah, cards. So. Circle of loyalty, uh, and then we, <laughs> let's talk about how that's changed the way we think about cards today. What has changed in how we evaluate cards? I, I think for me, I think the biggest thing is what used to be absolutely considered bonkers is not what is considered like wild for today's standards, right? I mean, cards like uh, whatever behemoth gargly goth thing, the the M twenty one green creature, Elder Gargaros, <laughs> yeah, Elder, yeah, that one. And, and, and Terror of the Peaks, <laughs> like those cards, like those are cards that I think if you would have showed me that a long time ago, I would have said you were lying to me and that's fan made because <laughs> that's like broken, right? So I, I think the one thing that I had to learn to do was ditch the idea of how like powerful cards, what what's considered a powerful card, right? Like, like back in like whenever, 2009 and those standards, like today's standards, it's just does it have an ETB effect? Does it do something immediately? And how many times does it do it upon entering? You know, or can I like, like it has to do like four things, right? So I legitimately now just look at cards and just see if like they, like, like if I can get immediate value and also it, it provides additional value on top of that on its way out. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's a change that I've had to make too. That as someone who's played Magic for a long time, it's easy to think, oh, like whatever Siege Rhino used to be good, so this will probably be good. But then you fail to realize that maybe Siege Rhino wouldn't be good anymore. <laughs> whatever card you're comparing to from the past, like because Magic is just. It changed so much and the power levels increased so much in the last few years. So I think that's part of it is a lot of the old comparisons just don't hold up the way that they used to. I think another thing I've learned is uh, uh, never undervalue something that does things for free, like uh, especially from the graveyard. I remember like Arclight Phoenix was kind of like, yeah, Arclight, sure, whatever. Like that's that's kind of cute. And then that became like a really legitimate card. So anything that offers value that doesn't take mana is probably going to be broken somewhere or at least very good somewhere. And I think the other challenge for me is uh, just avoiding my personal biases in play style. Like I like Dirtily decks. I like Panharmonicon decks. So I think it's easy for me to without even realizing it, maybe subtly overrate cards that are good for the playstyle I enjoy, even if that playstyle's not actually that good. Uh, so I think that's a, another one is to try to try to keep your own personal biases and playstyle out of it as much as possible. Oh, and also last one, uh, just because it's a card that's good for commander doesn't necessarily mean that it's bad for standard. <laughs> I think that's that's another old one where it'd be like that would be some of our spoiler reviews. They'd print some seven drop and we'd be like, oh, that's probably good in commander, and that would that would be it. Now everything is designed with commander in mind. So just because a card it's going to be good in commander does not mean it's not going to be good in standard too so fun story fun historical story for for all our listeners uh we started commander clash because on the podcast we used to evaluate like every six drop 
plus that was like green. <laughs> we're like, that's good for commander. And that that was it, right? <laughs> we're like, it's unplayable standard, but it's probably good for commander. I like every single card, right? So then we're like, maybe we should play some commander so we don't just keep saying this. Uh, so we started playing commander clash and that's how commander clash was born. Uh, and yet, we still do that today. We're like, ah, oh, hmm, I don't see a use for this card. It must be good in Commander. Yeah. <laughs> Does it cost 10 mana? It must be good for Commander. Uh, all right. Um, pre-modern. Any chance of having pre-modern as a format option? Have you guys played pre-modern? This is from at Viniscabessa. What is pre-modern? What is pre-modern? So pre-modern is, uh, as its name suggests, a format that includes cards up to, I believe, Mirrodin. Like, it ends at Mirrodin. So basically, where modern starts, none of those cards are legal. So it's like Onslaught and Urza Saga back to the beginning. Not sure what the ban list is. I'm assuming that, like, Power 9 and stuff is probably not on that format. So I'm not 100% sure what, what the rules are there. But that is a card pool that it interacts with the early days up through where modern starts. I haven't played it. I know some people really like it. And I think with uh, the power creep of the last couple years and how that's infiltrated older formats, I think that's part of the appeal of it that you don't have any 2019, 2020 cards to, uh, to complain about and you just get to play old stuff. But uh, I haven't actually played it myself and I'm not sure where it ranks on the popularity scale uh but i do know it has some very dedicated fans yeah i mean i guess we could add it we just added gladiator uh we can add pre-modern if i know what the rules actually are but that sounds like really old right it's like basically like old school plus because you don't play any modern cards right modern goes back like pretty far no yeah modern goes back to mirror what, year, what so, year was yeah Mirrodin? it does 2002, 2002 i want to yeah. say one somewhere around there oh i think it, it might have been 2000 hold on because i was in middle school right or like when see. oh i see so <clears throat> so also worth mentioning i was slightly off i just looked it up to make sure uh it actually excludes old school cards so old school cards are not allowed so you don't have to deal with the power nine stuff but then it also excludes anything from the modern era forward. So it's basically like Type 2 from 2002, like roughly. <laughs> That's Bas- what we're playing, right? <laughs> or like Extended, Extended maybe from 2002, something like that. Okay. Mirrodin, by the way, was in 2003. Yeah, because I, okay. I was in middle school at that time. Yeah, so 4th edition up through Scourge is a card pool. And there's actually a pretty extensive ban list uh it looks like 25 30 cards on the ban list uh some broken old stuff so that's pretty modern all right uh next up drew m09 how come you guys don't talk about finance anymore that's actually a good question and i've actually <laughs> been thinking that uh that i should talk more about finance i know for me personally uh, I was really interested in finance and did a ton of finance stuff when I started making content. But then I started making videos and in the early days, pre-arena, when uh, a lot of magic was on Magic Online, kept running into an issue where I do like a budget magic deck and the deck would double in price. And that made me shy away from talking as much about finance because... I didn't want to come across like it was manipulating the market or anything. It was just like an unfortunate thing that was happening. So that kind of pushed me away from doing much finance content. But in the current era where it's arena and paper isn't even really happening and budget magic deck spiking in price isn't a concern because everything's on arena now. Um, 
I would like to do more finance, honestly, and uh, and talk about it more often. All right, that that sounds good. So, what do you think about GameStop? Short, short it. But yeah, I think it's basically with the shift to arena, we didn't need finance, and with Moto dying, we we can't be accused of manipulating the market anymore. I know that's a that's a thing people uh, we were concerned about, uh, and people like outside of us we're concerned about like are you guys just like pumping up prices we're like no right we're, we're trying to get cheap decks so that everyone can play magic and it's unfortunate that the price spikes because of it uh and we really can't control that uh but now with moto kind of on the downswing arena everything is quote unquote the same price uh maybe we can talk more about finance i mean i'm sure people would love talking about reserveless cards and <laughs> <laughs> no no not this again not this again things like that <laughs> don't worry we, we have we have gamestop before gamestop okay we have the reserve list we, we know what we're doing <laughs> uh all right that's all the questions we have for this week if you have questions send them to at mtg goldfish with the hashtag mtg fishmail and we'll get to your questions on air and i believe that that brings us to the end of episode 314 of the mtg goldfish podcast so richard Grimm, thanks for hanging out thanks to everyone for listening and we will be back next week to talk about whatever goes down in the world of magic until then have a great week everyone and this is the crew signing out Thank you